Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am so glad you're here. This podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. Hello, friends. It has been quite a while since you heard from me, and I thought I would finally (laughs) release the final episode of season two of the Finding Refuge podcast. This happened last year as well as season one. It took me a long time to record the final episode. And when it happened again this year, I I was thinking about it and I don't actually have an issue with endings or transitions that I'm aware of. And I'm so used to interviewing people on the podcast. And for season one, I'd originally thought I would record an episode and update y'all and talk about season two. I did that and I didn't like the recording. And so Tristan Katz offered to interview me for that season. And I think for this season, I was kind of processing what I might offer and what I might share. I am um, really used to being interviewed and responding to questions and being in the flow of that. And it's quite different to record an episode where I'm going to talk and engage you for however long this episode will be, which is kind of odd because I give keynotes all the time and lectures and facilitate as many of you know. Nonetheless, here I am. And this is the final episode for season two. And I am here to talk to you about a few things. So today I will share some about my sabbatical and the break I am taking right now. I will share some about rest and why it's important. And I'll share some about season three and what might be coming up, although I haven't scheduled very many interviews, but I know who I would like to interview, so that will happen. And I also want to share information about Finding Refuge, Heartwork for Healing Collective Grief, the book, Its birthday is coming up on July 13th. So that's the plan for this episode. And I'm so glad that you're here and listening. I first want to say that I want to offer some gratitude for your support and for listening to the podcast and sending notes my way and sharing the podcast with others. Um, As many of you know, I created the podcast in advance of Finding Refuge, the book coming out, being birthed in the world. And I really wanted to create a space where I could talk to people about grief, about liberation, about what you know was feeling most alive for them at the time, about justice, of course, and our interconnectedness. And I cannot believe it's been two years since this podcast first began and since that first episode came out where I shared some about the purpose of the podcast. It's been lovely to speak to so many different people with different lived experiences and identities and to hear people share vulnerably about 
how they are responding to, you know, so much trauma that's happening in the world and how they're taking care of themselves, how they're finding refuge amid trauma and oppression and just chaos that is, is present in our world. So it's been really sweet to be in this space and to have these conversations and to know that folks are listening and that what people are sharing, it's, it's resonating with people. So continue to share the podcast and I would love it if you would rate it on iTunes and just get the word out about the podcast and this body of work that is finding refuge. So this was about maybe two years ago. Time is so weird. We say this all the time now because of COVID-19 that time is weird and it kind of is. It's always been strange because it is a construct and was made up and yet our lives are many, you know, for many of us, our lives are shaped by the clock and the calendar and time and our sense of time. But I believe two years ago, my friend Kija reached out to me. She was organizing with my friend um, Tema Oaken. Kija and Tema have both been colleagues of mine for quite a long time. And um, I worked with them in the collaborative Dismantling Racism Works. And so Kija reached out because they were organizing white bodied folks to um, create reparations for black folks and to redistribute wealth. And so Kija asked me what I might do if, if I was able to have um, some funds um, and this redistribution of wealth could happen. She asked what I might do with it and how much I needed. And I said, I really want to rest. I want to take a break. And she fundraised and set up a GoFundMe and let people know about the work she was doing with Tema and um, why white-bodied folks need to think about redistributing wealth given our, the history of racism and classism and where wealth has been placed and kept and held. And I told her I wanted to take three months off and I wanted enough money during that time to live and to continue to take care of myself and my financial responsibilities and that I wanted space to just be. And so my amazing community showed up and responded to the call. Thank you everyone who donated to the GoFundMe for the sabbatical. And I think it took about a month or two for Kija to raise the funds. And she informed me that she'd raised the funds. And then I had to look and see, when can I take three months off? Um, Skill in Action came out in 2017. And at the time I was living in, well, it was finished. I completed it in 2017. It actually came out into the world very publicly in 2018 after I'd self-published it and tried to figure out how to market it and promote it, which in large part happened through community as well. Thank you, community. And since Skill in Action came out and was published, I began to travel and to share about social justice and yoga. Of course, I'd been sharing about it for many years prior to the first edition of Skill in Action, but 
the sort of shape of my work and form of my work shifted in that many yoga schools and teacher trainings and communities grappling with how to center justice as they engaged in spiritual practice and in sangha and community, folks are reaching out for me to come and share some about the intersection of justice and yoga. And from about 2017 until 2020, I was traveling, I would say twice a month on average for skill in action workshops and immersions and teachings. And then probably about once a month and sometimes it was combined travel for my dismantling racism work which happens in the context of spiritual spaces, but it also happens in the context of organizations and corporations and all over the place. So I've been like in the air a lot or was in the air a lot from 2017 to 2020. And actually in 2017, I was living in Portland and would fly back to North Carolina once a month to lead my skill and action teacher training in North Carolina. And then, you know, after a year of living in Portland, decided to come back to North Carolina. So I was like, in the air, on the road, in Ubers, on trains, in rental cars, in North Carolina, then in Portland, in North Carolina, then in California. Like I would come home for a day from travel and hang out with my dog Jasper and my partner Charles and clean the house and maybe have a circle of friends over. And then I'd be in the air again on the trip to go train and teach and hold space. And I'm deeply grateful for skill in action and and how it has reached so many people and that the demand was there for the conversation and the deep work we must do um, in our spiritual communities and beyond to transform them so we are not spiritually bypassing, but instead deeply Um, and actively committing to spiritual practice that centers creating conditions for everyone to thrive. And I was also tired, like really happy. This work is spreading. It's grown. And I'll share a little more about that in, in a bit. It's actually grown quite a bit. And I was tired and my, I'm sure I had adrenal fatigue and it was lovely to be in space with people and lovely to come home And it's actually not my natural rhythm or makeup to be a traveler in that way. You know, some folks really love traveling and flying on the the airplane and adventuring and booking one-way tickets and not knowing when they're going to come back. I I am not like that. Um, I'm going to get into astrology for a moment. I am a Taurus South node, which means I've worked with Taurus, Taurian energy for a long time and came into this lifetime having some understanding of that kind of energy, that earth energy, that rooted energy at times, that stubborn energy, but also the like beauty. Taurus folks tend to really like um, the aesthetic, the beauty, the details and ornate details and also want to have comforts around them. So want their home to have the things that they need to make them feel comfortable. I am a cancer rising. And so what I know about cancers, they they want their homes to feel safe and comfortable and um, they want to create home wherever they go. 
it's really important um, that they do that, create home wherever they go. I'm a, I'm a Leo sun. So that fire and that energy to be able to like travel and be out there and take my little bag with crystals and my divination cards to create home wherever I am, right? That cancer energy combined with the Leo, combined with this Taurus South node. And I'm an Aquarius moon, which doesn't have a ton to do with, now my astrology knowledge is limited, but with what I just described about traveling, it, it, it certainly shows up, but it's in my facilitation and how I can respond to people in that space and also the humanitarian work that I do in the world and um, how analytical I can be at times. But more of what, what was sort of showing up in my rhythm with travel and my like, I like being at home. I don't love traveling, but I'm going to travel for work is more my cancer and I'd say Taurus South Node. And, you know, if you're curious, I am a Scorpio North Node. So that's where I'm going. These are the lessons I'm learning. Um, that um, murkiness, that deep, deep work. It makes sense that I'm doing a lot of work around unearthing what causes so much trauma on our planet and why we suffer. I've been doing this work for a long time. It makes sense that I want people to dive into that. The, sh the shadow part as well. And it's just the depths. Often I think about the ocean with Scorpio and the depths and like the deep, deep water. Um, so that's where I'm going. So all that to say, that astrology is part of what has made me me. I was also born at a full moon, actually, which I believe has a lot to do with the work and the expansive nature of my work and the risks that I take in doing the work and putting myself out there. But that's a little bit about my astrology and, and makeup and how it definitely influences the way I relate to travel and being away from home. And all that to say, and I said it before, I was like out there in the world doing this. And since COVID have been really grateful to be at home. And um, I was working a lot and knew that I would need this three months and need some time to figure out when can I take this three months. And I looked at my calendar and I knew what was booked through the end of 2022. So this was in 2020 when I looked at my calendar because that's when Keija and Tim had fundraised and reached out to me. And I looked ahead and I looked at my 2022 calendar, not 2023, which we'll get to that. But I looked to see when can I take some time off and I thought I want to take May through July. And I wanted to pick this time of year because I love spring. And I wouldn't say I'm a, some people might call me a gardener, although I don't know that I would say that about myself, but I am leaning into that more. My grandmother, Dorothy, ha always had a huge garden. And my grandfather, my father's father, Dorothy's my mom's mom, Cornelius always, he was a farmer for his living and had chickens. He's the first person I remember being with. And I saw the chicken lay the egg and I was in the chicken coop when I was a, a little girl and he had fields of crops that he would sell. And he may have had some other, other animals as well. I, I remember the chickens and the plants, the vegetables he grew. And my Maternal grandfather, Fred, Dorothy's husband, also was in the garden and loved growing 
things and Dorothy loved her flowers. And so I picked this time so I could be in my yard and watch everything come to life and plant and connect with my bees and watch the chickens and watch the dragonflies. I've never seen so many dragonflies um, before, but there are a ton in my backyard. And I wanted to be in the sort of spring feels like the into summer, this waking up for me. And of course it's, it's like pre-Leo season where I feel like everything's in bloom and alive, right? And um, that fire before we, we go into, into fall in September. So I chose it on purpose to be at home and um, North Carolina is especially, I think, beautiful in the spring and summer. And it's been really lovely to be at home. You know, pre-sabbatical, I have several dismantling racism clients, uh, long-term clients, and do work with Carrie Kelly through Race and Resilience and my best friend, Annie Bertain. We do some dismantling racism work and we're actually planning a honeybee and social justice experience class, um, which I'll share more about at the end of this. So we do do a lot of work together. So I have these clients that I've worked with for a year, if not longer, some of them several years. And when I knew I was going to take the sabbatical, I was really clear about like, I will be out and had to repeat it a lot. I will be out <laughs> of the office, not responding to your emails beginning May 1st. And I will return on, it was going to be August 1st, but um, a Kripalu workshop was moved to July 31st. So I'm like coming, coming out of the sabbatical with a bang on July 31st, teaching with Gary Kelly at Kripalu, a retreat. And I didn't sense resistance from my clients, really. But, you know, I'm working on dismantling racism in these structures that are all about us overworking and all about the grind right? And these structures that I was going to say deprioritize, but don't even prioritize, prioritize rest for people. And I, I knew even though the people I was working with, like they, you know, are, are very supportive of the sabbatical and I've received really sweet messages from them about like, so happy you're taking rest. That's going to benefit you and you deserve it and benefit us, which I believe it will benefit us all actually when one takes time to rest there's this ripple effect on others and even though I received these messages I I kind of just knew I would have to reinforce the boundary over and over because of the tension within systems as I said to have us overwork and not take time to rest and be rewarded for overworking in fact and in a culture that says you know, our value is tied or rooted in our work and how much we work and how much we produce. And I'm just like not into that. I don't think I've been into that for a while, given the way I work and what I do, but I'm not into it. I think it's killing us. And I think there's another way. And, you know, since the beginning of May and the sabbatical began, I feel like my clients and um, people that may want to, you know, reach out to me for work have been really respectful of my boundaries. Like I didn't know what to expect. I haven't taken three months off. I don't know if I have done that since I actually began working at age 16. 
I don't know. I had two months off when I worked, when I was in school, of course, but I was working. I had two months off when I worked in a school as a social worker, but I would work summer jobs. So I don't think this experience has happened and of taking three months off. Um, and so I just didn't know what to expect. Like, am I gonna have a hundred emails? Am I gonna feel like checking my email? If I don't respond, you know, what does that mean? I didn't feel a lot of um, tension around scarcity and in the sense of what will be there on the other side, because I actually know what gigs are planned on the other side of this. And I'm grateful I have them and know some about my schedule and um, what I want to plan and, and the kind of work I want to do. And I trust that the work, the practice, the things I am interested in and, and are connected to my, that are connected to my dharma, my work in the world, they will emerge. And sometimes, at least for me, and I actually think this is true for others, there needs to be a period of rest for us to allow the next thing to emerge or a period of quiet, a period of deep listening, a period of turning inward for us to actually allow the next thing to emerge. And, you know, I have been taking a ton of time to rest and I've had moments where I'm like, what, what are you doing? And my partner the other day said, I think you're itching to work. I don't know where he got that from because no part of me actually wants to work right now. I don't know what I don't know if he was project. I have no idea what was going on in that interaction. He's working a lot right now, overworking because of of the kind of work that he does and just the demand in this season. He's a chef, and I was like, "There is no part of me. I have no desire to work right now." And what do we even mean by work? Right? I had to redefine that. Is work practice? And if it is, then what I'm practicing right now is sitting in my yard next to the bees for an hour a day watching my four hives come in and out. I'm learning a lot about what normal activity looks like. I'm watching the pollen they're bringing in. Um, it's giving me clues about when I actually need to go into the hive. Y'all probably heard me talk about honeybees before. I've spent time with them. I go out all the time, but during the sabbatical, I've allowed myself to like set up a chair, sit right next to the hive, listen to the hum, feel the vibration, connect with them and sort of check in and see, are you okay? Or what do you wanna communicate with me? Um, or here's what I wanna share with, with you. And there's a practice of telling the bees. So I've been practicing that with them. I am practicing, again, this is a redefinition of work, journaling and um, healing my relationship with money and finances. Um, I am, practicing cooking really nurturing meals. I am in the practice of gardening and digging in the dirt and um, staking up the tomato plants and watching the zucchini grow and watching the bee balm burst open and the rosebush, the really vibrant rosebush. I'm watching the earth move as earthworms are underneath it moving the dirt and it is astounding me that they can move so much dirt or the ants taking things back to their ant nest under the oak tree in the back of my yard. I'm seeing friends. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time alone actually, but I'm making space to see friends as well and to do things that, you know, I want to do. Recently, there's a wonderful winery called Divine Llama and it's a llama farm, 91 acres, and went with friends and had wine and went to see the llamas and connected with them and had the best time. I've been on nature walks in the 
gardens in Greensboro with friends. I have just been doing a lot of nurturing things, which I think we all deserve. And I've been, as I said, resting, you know, this redefinition of work into a practice um, includes the practice of rest and stillness. And as I mentioned earlier, listening and witnessing and being. I wanna say something about privilege and this sabbatical, because as I'm listening to myself speak, and given who I am, it would be remiss if I did not actually mention something about privilege. Now, you know, I'm connected with Kija and Tema, who are white-bodied people, who have access to other white-bodied people, who are invested in redistributing wealth to folks that they are in community with, who are Black folks and folks of color, who they know would benefit from reparations, and in particular from being asked, what do you want to do with this, these funds? Not as a way to say, to like prove what we wanna do, but as a like, here's an invitation to dream about what you wanna do. So that's privilege, right? Community and network is privilege. Um, I'm a black person who is abled, who is heterosexual, who is neurotypical as far as I understand, who is a citizen, who has a home, who um, I may have mentioned this is middle-class, who has a master's degree, who educated, um, who has access to many spaces and who's self-employed. I can plan my schedule. I can say yes or no to a gig. Often I can say, this is what I want to be paid. Now I don't always get paid what I ask for, but I can say, this is what I think this is worth. I wanna name that all of these things are privileges. And I recognize that everyone does not have the conditions are not in place for everyone to take space to rest. And I would say I reckoned with this. I believe I deserve rest because I believe everyone deserves to rest if that's what they want to do. Like if someone had this money and they wanted to take a vacation or they wanted some adventure, that was like, cool, do you? But I think everyone deserves space to be asked this question of, what would you do with this if you had the space to dream and here's the, the, here are the resources for you to be able to bring that dream into being, into reality. And so I recognize that a black um, person who is experiencing houselessness and is living with a disability and is not connected in the way I am and many other things, identities, I recognize they may not have the space to rest. I don't have children. I have a partner as a child, but I am not financially responsible for her. So that demand is not there. And so I just recognize my situation is different than others and want to really name that here because it feels important to share the process of, of I deserve rest or the, you know, the thinking around this, I know this, I need to rest if I'm going to continue to do what I do in the world and I don't actually have to justify that I need rest. But it's true, if I wanna to continue to show up fully in the world and to create transformative spaces and to create spaces for people to heal and for myself to heal, then I actually need a space to rest where I'm not on Zoom all day long, where I'm not holding space, where I'm not holding people, I need a respite. And that's a truth and everyone deserves rest. And that's true as well. And I would just invite us to sort of hold that tension and, and, and nuance 
because I know that many people struggle with feeling like they deserve to have the finances they need to live comfortably or that they deserve rest because our culture has so deeply trained us that we shouldn't rest in the ways I spoke about earlier and know that I am present to and thinking about the rest I am able to take right now and the rest that others are not able to take. It's present with me, not as a, I don't shame myself for this time, but this is an awareness that I need to hold as I'm thinking about coming out of this period of rest and sabbatical and continuing to do my work, which is about removing the barriers that are in the way of us having what we need to thrive, to live, to design, to reimagine this world. So I think that's what I wanna say about sabbatical and rest. I had more to say than I thought, and there's probably more, but what I would invite you into before I, I talk a little bit about what's coming up after the sabbatical um, and what to look forward for, to for season three. I wanna invite you to think about maybe, maybe you don't want to take three months off or maybe you don't have the space to take three months off right now. But what does rest look like for you? And there's so many wonderful teachers, Tracy Stanley, Radiant Rest, Octavia Rahim, Pause Rest B, right? Like there's so many teachers who are calling us. And I would say so many black women who are calling us into rest. And I would invite you to, to sit with that question. What might rest look like for you or rest it? And you might even think about in a day what rest looks like. Is it a moment outside? Is it a moment connecting with a animal companion you have? Is it um, a deep breath? Or are there larger periods of rest? Is it a week? somewhere in a landscape that will help you feel nourished and regenerate? Is it a month? Is it a, I'm not gonna answer my emails and I'm gonna put my vacation responder on. I will invite you all. You can certainly email me at info info at michellecjohnson.com just to receive my vacation responder if you would like. Um, for the sabbatical time, I was very purposeful in what I wrote in that. like. I'm actually probably not going to answer email until I get back because I'm taking a break. But here are all the ways you can connect with me because I have all of this work I've created and it's accessible and you can find it here and I'll be back. And all of the issues that um, I am working to, the systems I'm working to dismantle, the oppression I'm working to dismantle, it's all going to be there on July 31st when I come out of this break. It's urgent now and it will be urgent then. So I invite y'all, if you want to email, you can receive that. But what does rest look like for you, right? Is it, I'm going to turn off social media for a month? Is it, I'm going to turn it off for a day and give my brain a rest? What does rest look like? So that's what I want to invite you to, to consider. So what's coming up after my sabbatical? Well, season three will come up. And I know I am going to interview um, several people. And I'm excited about the interviews. I think season three will not begin until September. It may begin in mid-September. And if not, it will definitely begin October 1st. It's just delayed this year because of this break. And I didn't want to interview people during my sabbatical. I wanted to actually wait. And so it's likely I'll interview some folks in August. And the first episode will come out in September. Excited to continue to have conversations about grief and how we find refuge, how we create refuge, 
with one another in community, how we engage in ritual and healing work. Super excited to share more about that. So that's coming up. So stay tuned for season three. And in the interim, there are two seasons of episodes you can go back and listen to if you'd like some reminders about the lessons, the teachings from the amazing guests who've been on this podcast thus far. What else is coming up? So as I mentioned earlier, sabbatical ends July 31st. I am teaching um, or co-leading a retreat called Detox and Refuge with Carrie Kelly. And Detox, that is based on American Detox, her book, which just came out on June 7th. Get it. If you have not received a copy, please get it. It is a powerhouse of a book and it is um, a disruptor to dominant culture. And it is um, a call to folks. I, I mean, I almost think call is not a strong enough word. It's like a scream, I think, in this way of like calling us into really reimagining wellness and reimagining the world in which we live. So that's the detox part. And the refuge part is obviously finding refuge. So Carrie and I work with race and resilience, um, leading racial equity work. And we do that in community through a cohort over time. Um, so that cohort, I'll, I'll share something about that in a moment, but, but we do that in community, but we also work with organizations and corporations in the field of wellness and beyond actually um, engaging in culture shift work. So this is sort of a different iteration of our work where we look at American detox, detoxing from our conditioning, our socialization, and grief, of course, comes up when we do that kind of detox and interrogation investigation. And then how do we grieve and find refuge and create refuge and lean into where we want to be and where we want to go. So that's July 31st through August 4th. Um, information is on Kapali's website. I'll also include it in the show notes. And the cohort that I just mentioned through Race and Resilience, that actually ends before I come out of sabbatical. There's just one meeting. It begins on July 26th. So there's one meeting that will happen during my sabbatical. This is a six month cohort with Race and Resilience. We meet once a month. There is um, a workbook, there's reading between and some small group work between. Um, our work is about working across lines of difference. And um, this is a level one cohort we just completed a level two cohort in May. And so this is for folks who are interested in understanding more about racial equity, understanding more about accountability, understanding more about power. There's an analysis of power that we present and really in real time in our cohort, learning how to work across lines of difference and information for that will be in the show notes. That's on the Race and Resilience website as well. And it's listed on my website, michellecjohnson.com. And then there is a workshop happening after the workshop in Kripalu in Harbor Bay, Maine. And it is at the Whole Health Center and information's on my website about this as well. It's a Finding Refuge retreat. And we are going to tend our hearts during this retreat. It's a Friday through Sunday, Friday evening through Sunday. I'm very excited about it. And it will will flow through the themes that are in Finding Refuge, and it will be so lovely to be in person doing that with folks. There'll be movement, there'll be journaling, connection with people, ritual and ceremony together. So you can check that out on my website. And there are several other things coming up after that. Those are the immediate things coming up after sabbatical, right after in August. But you can check out my website for other things. I'm going to 
co-lead a legacy trip with Tina Strawn, who else has a book for pre-order right now, and I will put the title in the show notes. The pre-order just began. I'm super excited about it. I know the title is something about queer and divorcing from America, but I don't have the title exactly right. So Tina is an amazing activist and writer and many other things. So um, I'm going to a legacy trip. She's a program, these legacy trips, and I'll be doing that with her in September, mid-September. You can check my website for the upcoming offerings. And um, the final thing I want to share is on July 13th, that is the birthday for Finding Refuge, the book. I am going to um, have a, a ritual, hold a ritual, and it will be on Zoom and information will be on my website about this by the time this episode drops. Um, I believe it's gonna be at noon EST, so 9 PST, 9 a.m. PST. And we're gonna move through ritual and sort of honor finding refuge in advance of that ritual and the birthday celebration. I would love to invite you to write a review there are people who've rated Finding Refuge on Amazon, but there aren't many people who've written reviews. And I know that probably sold at least 7,000 copies, if not more than that. And so I know the book has reached far and wide and would love for it to reach many, many, many more people. And that reach hasn't necessarily translated into reviews. And, you know, Amazon's complicated. And some people buy the book there. And even if you don't buy the book, didn't buy the book there, you can write a review about the book. And so I really invite you to write a, re a review there so that more people um, can know about finding refuge and it can continue to help people and support people as they're moving through their process of grief and wanting to engage more deeply in spiritual practice. So I really want to invite you to do that. You can also write a review on Goodreads. Um, there are few, there are more written reviews there, um, but both would would increase the visibility of Finding Refuge, which is certainly my hope, because it is this body of work that I want to continue to engage in to support folks. And in addition to that, share the book with people and your experience of it. Lead a book club. I have a book club guide. I also have a guide that I wrote a while ago that's about, it was specific to moving through the holidays, but um, they'll come back around whatever holidays you might celebrate. And it was really about like, if we're around people and things are coming up for us and it's an intense time, how do we find refuge? So a lot of resources there. So I'm going to wrap and say thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are in this world, for supporting my work and all the ways you do. and. I'm excited to be back in season three and I hope you take care and be well. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, as you all may know, I have a new book out, Finding Refuge, Heart Work for Healing Collective Grief, published by Shambhala Publications. It was published on July 13th 2021 and can be found anywhere where books are sold. Along with the book, you can join me for some offerings focused on finding refuge and focused on collective grief, ritual, and processing trauma, allowing it to move through so that we can get free. We'll explore the connection between grief and liberation. You can support the podcast Finding Refuge 
by telling your friends about it and rating it on iTunes. You can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action. I offer monthly Dharma talks, rituals, meditations, or movement practices. I hope you join me there. Take care. Be well, friends. Thank you.